So glad that you're here. It's Christmas. There's no arguing about has it started yet, right? It's Christmas. Christmas has started. Music is being played. Decorations are up. Doesn't the church look great? Yeah, it looks fantastic. We, we had some wonderful volunteers here this week. Uh, Nicole Porchier and her daughter Penelope were here. Cindy Sauls and her kids were here. Georgia Barker was here. Nicole Orr. Uh, Zach has spent hours working on things. He built all of this back here. When you go to get your Santa pics, uh, he built that. And so uh, just so grateful for all the investment people have made to make our Christmas look fantastic. Uh, Christmas is also the unofficial season of overeating, uh, which is great. Some of us love that. If you didn't know, the Little Debbie Christmas snacks have been out for about a month now. So if you haven't started, you're really behind. Uh, the eggnog rolls are interesting. Uh, the Santa brownies are okay. You really can't beat the Christmas cakes, though, right? They're the classics. If you haven't started eating the Christmas cakes, uh, you need to get some of those. Uh, speaking of eggnog, how many of you like eggnog? How many of you don't like eggnog? Okay, so I, I think the world's divided into two groups. They're divided into the group that likes eggnog, and then the other group is people with bad taste. So those are the only those are the only two groups in the world. Obviously, I like eggnog. I've got a carton of it uh, in the refrigerator right now. Which, if you have not started an exercise routine, like if that's not already going, uh, if you were not able to lose the five to 10 pounds you were hoping to get up, just put it off till January, right? Can I, can I just be an encouragement to you? Just, just forget about it in December. Come get back to it like around January 4th after you've eaten all the New Year's leftovers um, because it's just no use. There's just too much good stuff to eat in December. It's also the season of movies because always during the holidays, there's some big movies, blockbusters that come out. Uh, we've seen a couple already over the holidays. Uh, there is a new Grinch movie that's out. Don't know if you've seen it. I, I don't know how many Grinch movies we need, honestly. Uh, but I did see this one, and it's great. I would encourage you to go see it, two thumbs up. Uh, that's good if you're too young to know what that's a reference to. Uh, great, great movie. Uh, sweet, well done. You should definitely go see it. Whether you've seen it or not, we all know the story. There's this character called the Grinch. And he hates Christmas, uh, and he hates the Who's who live in Whoville because they love Christmas, and he hates their decorations, and he hates their singing, and he hates their food, and he hates the fact that they listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Actually, that's some of you, isn't it? <laughs> I get my Grinches confused sometimes. Yeah, he hates everything about Christmas, so he puts this plan in place. He devises this strategy to steal Christmas. He sneaks into Whoville on Christmas Eve and takes all the presents and all the trees and all the decorations and all the lights and even the roast beasts, their food for uh, the Christmas celebration. And we're here at the beginning of Christmas, right? December 2nd. We got 23 days leading up until Christmas. And here's what I know. For all of us, there are going to be things that want to steal Christmas from us this year. There are going to be people. There are going to be circumstances there are going to be events that come up over the next 23 days. Some of them probably already started in your life. You can probably start making a list of all the Grinches in your life already. Here's, here's what I found. I was thinking about it this week. 
The one thing that has the greatest potential to steal my Christmas, the one person that has the greatest potential to steal Christmas from me actually is me. And hopefully by the end of the message you'll agree that the one person that has the greatest potential to steal your Christmas is you. See, I'm, I'm most of the time the Grinch in my Christmas. I'm the one that stands between a great celebration of joy and hope and a miserable situation, Christmas of complaining and finding things that don't suit me. I'm often the Grinch in my own Christmas. I was reading about Dr. Seuss this week as I was thinking about the Grinch and the story. I didn't know that the Grinch character was actually based on himself. It was December 26, it was the day after Christmas one year, and Seuss was brushing his teeth, and he looked in the mirror and noticed a scowling Grinch face looking back. He would later say in an interview, Something had gone wrong with Christmas, I realized, or more likely with me. So I wrote the story about my sour friend, the Grinch, to see if I could rediscover something about Christmas that obviously I'd lost. He looked in the mirror and realized, I'm the one. That's my face. I'm the problem with my Christmas. He would go on to say it was, it was, one, of the easiest, it was one of the easiest books he ever wrote. Because there was so much of him in this character and so much about Christmas that he wanted to rediscover. And, and, and we often point to outside forces. We point to over-commercialization or traffic or obligations or the calendar or busyness. Uh, we, we point to all sorts of things out there that we may think are ruining our Christmas, but the reality is Christmas is in my hands this year. And Christmas for you is in your hands. Christmas is an inside job. That was a problem for the Grinch and really for all Grinches. His heart was two sizes too small. The issue of being a Grinch is always an inside job. It's never all the things on the outside... It's what's happening in our heart and specifically the things that we allow ourselves to forget. The aspects of what Christmas really is that maybe we don't forget, but we just choose not to prioritize. We, we choose not to hold them in our minds in the right place that they should be held. For example, Grinches. Forget that Christmas begins the glorious culmination of God's plan for us. The first Christmas, it was the beginning of a culmination of a plan that was set in place in eternity past. It was this huge story of God wanting to be in relationship with us. And all of time and eternity and history had been moving toward this one moment. And what we celebrate at Christmas is a huge, cosmic, eternal story of who God is. This story splits history, if you think about it. It splits history into B.C. and A.D. It is that big of a story, but it's not just big on the calendar. It's big in the plan of God to show us His love, 
to show us his mercy, to put his grace upon us all the way back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 3. Humans created by God decide to disobey their creator, the one that made them, the one that breathed life into them. Humans decided we know better than you. And because God is holy and just, he was no longer able to be in relationship with his creation. There was a separation there. But Genesis 3 also reminds us that the momentary failure of humans would not impede the eternal work of God. A failure on the part of the creation did not stop the glorious plan of their creator for them. And that's not only true thousands of years ago for the first humans, that's true for you and that's true for me. Whatever momentary failures we've had in our life, however many of them there are, and there may be many in your life just like there are in my life, no matter how many momentary failures we had, there is nothing we could do to impede or change the great plan of God's love for us. Because in Genesis 3, before the chapter's over, God says, somebody's coming to make this right. Somebody's coming to make forgiveness possible in your life. And, and he's described in Genesis 3 as a, as a warrior, as a victor, somebody who's strong, as somebody who could take on the battle for us. God says, you failed, but you have not interrupted my plan of love and grace and mercy. And Christmas is the moment that plan that started in eternity past. Christmas is the moment that plan became visible to us, became a person. God's Son took on flesh, was born of a virgin, was placed in a manger, and He would touch, and He would teach, and He would love, and He would walk this earth, and ultimately He'd lay down His life, and He'd rise again in Christmas is the moment that we celebrate the beginning of the culmination of God's plan to make us right with Him. John says it this way in John chapter 1. The Word, which is John's phrase for Jesus, the divine expression, the divine eternal expression of God, Jesus, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John says, I, I, I'm not talking about somebody I read about. I'm not trying to tell you about somebody I studied in a history book. I know Him. I was one of His disciples. I followed Him. I listened when He spoke. I saw Him heal people. I stood and watched Him die, and then I saw Him when he had risen again, just like many of you, John says to his original readers, just like many of you, we have seen his glory. We know this was God come in the flesh full of grace and truth in Christmas. It's the beginning of that glorious story. You see, our hearts shrink two sizes too small whenever we see Christmas as a date on the calendar rather than as a huge moment in eternity. Sometimes we see Christmas as just this day to try to get to, 
this small one date on the calendar rather than stepping back and realize, no, this was in the heart of God from the beginning of time and before. From eternity past, God was moving all of history to this moment. And, and I get it. Christmas is a date on the calendar. It's on our calendar. There are 12 days of Christmas. We sing about that. There's 25 days from December 1st leading up to Christmas. There is a season that we celebrate Christmas. I'm not suggesting you leave your Christmas lights up all year long. That's not what I'm saying. I know it's a, a particular day that we celebrate, but it represents an eternal incredible cosmic plan of God coming in love for us. We have ways of celebrating the day, and there's nothing wrong with it. We do that in my house, too. My wife always buys the girls a, a, a calendar. It has little boxes for each day, 1 through 25. And you open a box a day. So on December 1st, you open the, the box labeled 1, and there's chocolate in the, in the window. So you open it, you eat the chocolate. Then at some point, one of the girls made a, a crab box of some type. We got, we got this box called the 24 Kisses of Christmas. And so days one through Christmas Eve, there is a Hershey kiss for every day for each child. So we have the chocolate calendar. We have the 24 Kisses of Christmas. And then usually there is a bowl of Christmas M&Ms beside the Hershey Kisses that's beside the chocolate calendar that we eat leading up to Christmas. And every year on December 26, our kids are borderline diabetic by that time. But we mark the sea. Yes, this is the 25 day. This is a specific season. I get it. We mark a specific season. The reason we mark this season it's because it is an eternal plan of our Creator to come for us, to put His love on us, to put His acceptance, His forgiveness on us. Let's be honest, for some of us, Christmas is not necessarily a time to mark, it's a time to survive, right? Do you feel that way, son? I just want to survive to December 26th. I just want to survive the traffic and the rush and the school programs and the responsibility and everybody we got to buy for. I just want to... But, but Christmas is not just 25 days or 12 days or a day. It's a beautiful, redemptive, eternal plan of God in our lives to redeem us back to him. Paul says it this way in Galatians 4. But when the set time had fully come, there was a day, there was a set moment that Jesus would be born. It wasn't December 25th, but there was a set time that he would be born of a virgin. virgin. But that set time was the culmination of a plan that had originated in eternity past. When the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Yeah, that was a day He came. But God, God had been moving toward this moment of redemption and relationship and forgiveness since before the world started because He loves us. Because His heart is for us, that we would know Him in relationship. Your challenge at Christmas is that all of the smallness of a day can get in front of the big story that is really Christmas. 
I mean, if you want to fight off the Grinch tendencies, you've got to realize that our, our, our challenge is that all of those little things that, that are important maybe, that, that are a part of our celebration, all of those little things that are about a specific day can get ahead of us focusing on us remembering, us being in the story that's been going on since before the beginning of time. Christmas is a huge story. And when we forget that, we miss it. Another thing that Grinches forget. Grinches forget that Christmas is about hope and expectation. It's about believing that there is a God truly at work in history. You see, from Genesis 3 all the way up until the first Christmas, what God's people had was hope. They had a belief that God was at work even though they couldn't see Him, even though they couldn't see the plan, even though they didn't know how it was going to all work out. They had this hope that God was at work. In our lives, it is easy to get discouraged. In our Christmases, it is easy to get discouraged. All of us have things. Some of us, some of us have all those little small things of the end of the year and relationships. And all those little small things that, that, that try to crowd out the real reason for Christmas. Some of us have some really big things. Some of those things are going to come into our life and they're going to pass out of our life quickly. And some of those things are going to come into our life and they're going to be there for a long, long time. And And let's be honest, some things are going to come into our life and they're going to stay. They're going to be a part of our story. They're going to be a part of our future as long as we're on this earth. But we have a hope that there was a God that knows all about those things and still entered into your life, entered into this world, took on flesh and stepped into our circumstances, stepped into the good parts of our life and the hard parts of our life. Isaiah would say it in the Old Testament. And then Matthew would quote him in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew writes, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Isaiah writes that in Isaiah 7, The nation of Israel has been carried away into captivity. Life's not good. Their circumstances aren't good. There's nothing about their situation that is good. And Isaiah says, God's still coming. Don't give up hope. God is still coming. His name is God with us. Hundreds of years later, Matthew basically said it started. It started in Bethlehem. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will name him Emmanuel because God is with us. Why can we hope regardless of our situations? Why, why can we have expectation? Because God's with us. God's here. And whatever you're going in, into, what, whatever I'm going through, the Creator is with us. In Emmanuel, Paul writes about it in Romans 15. He describes God this way. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God that we worship this Christmas, the God that we worship all year long is a God of hope. He doesn't remove all of our struggles. He, he doesn't remove all of our challenges. It's often in those challenges that we learn best to hope. 
that we learn best to expect that God is with us and strengthening us. Grinches, they forget that Christmas is about hope. They, they forget that Christmas is about joy. That the reason God comes into the world is as He establishes a relationship with us, He is able to give us His joy. Not joy based on our circumstances. Not joy based on our level of what we might call happiness in the world. But a deep, abiding sense of joy in Him. The shepherds experience this. The angels show up. They announce themselves. And the shepherds are terrified. Here's how Matthew describes it. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This news, this coming of God is for your joy. You would have the ability, we would have the ability to exchange our fear for His joy. Our discouragement for His joy. Our anxiety about the future. For his joy. I don't know what you're going through. And I don't minimize what anybody's going through. We know some people who are walking a very difficult path this Christmas. And I'm sure you do too. Maybe you. But I know this Christmas and every day and every Christmas, joy is found in the person of Jesus. A friend recently asked um, if my whole love of Christmas... Which if you knew, I love Christmas. My whole love of Christmas and my celebrating early, talking about Christmas and decorating early and listening to music early. Someone asked me, is that all just kind of an act or is that really real? I said, well, it's kind of both. Um, Years ago, I was a pastor and, and I found with what I do, as a pastor, once December gets here, things move fast. Like there's, there's a lot to do, and there's a lot of places to be, and a lot of places you show up for, and, and there's a lot of pressure. Is the church decorated? Is everybody okay with the decorations? Is everybody like the music that we're singing this Christmas? And, and then as a pastor in December, you have to tell a story that everybody already knows. Like, there's nobody that doesn't know this story. Like, you know the story. There's Bethlehem, and there's a virgin, and a guy named Joseph. There's shepherds and wise men. They're in a stable. Like, you know this story. And so every December, pastors get to tell a story that everybody already knows, and we're supposed to somehow make it interesting, right? We're, we're supposed to make it new. And for, so there's this pressure as a pastor. And what I found years ago is that I would get to the end of, in, end of the Christmas season, and maybe late in the day on Christmas or, or the next day, December 26, I would just have this feeling that I'd kind of missed Christmas. Like it had just kind of gone by. It had, it had somehow eluded me in all of my busyness and doing of good things and running and pastoring people and pastoring a church. It, I just missed it. So 
I decided years ago to get a running start on Christmas. I thought, well, I'll start celebrating before all of that happens. And so I did. We, st- we started decorating a little bit earlier because we would leave town at Thanksgiving and then we'd get back and d- be started and it'd be hard to catch up. So we started decorating a little earlier. I started listening to Christmas music on November 1st. And then I started talking about it. And I realized it made some people mad. So I turned it up louder. And I found out it made more people mad. So I started posting about it on social media that I was already listening to Christmas music on November 1st. It was probably not the most Jesus thing I've ever done. I'll admit that. But I realized that, that my Christmas was in my hands. What I got out of Christmas, if I truly celebrated or I didn't, if I really made this huge, wonderful story of God a priority in my life, or I did, it was up to me. If I experienced joy at Christmas, it was up to me. That I could go, I could go through all of Christmas and I could, I could complain about the traffic and I could be mad about politics and I could argue on social media and I could be mad that the retail person didn't say Merry Christmas to me or somebody didn't decorate their cups the way I think they ought to. Yeah, I could do all of that or I could have joy. And it was totally up to me. I could walk through December discouraged and and down and angry and and I'm not minimizing depression. That's a real thing. It's an, another real topic at, at Christmas. I'm just saying for me, I could find everything to be miserable about if I wanted to. Or I could realize that the angel brought tidings of great joy. Christmas was in my hands. And this Christmas, the next 23 days, they're in your hands. You get to choose. What I realized at one point was, if I don't protect my Christmas, no one else will. No one else will. If I don't protect my joy, nobody's just going to show up at my door from Amazon with a box of joy. Right? They're going to show up with a lot of other boxes, but nobody's going to say, here's, here's your joy. We want to make sure you had some. Nobody's delivering hope to my house. Nobody's insisting that I step out of the smallness of Christmas and I focus on the big, glorious, beautiful, loving story of a God that made me and wanted to redeem me through His Son and forgive my sins and make me His child. Nobody's going to make me do that. Christmas is in my hands. And if I don't protect it, if I don't choose what I'll, what I'll think about and what I'll sing about and what I'll do, it will come and go and I will not experience it. And neither will you. Earlier this week, a friend of mine texted me an article. He didn't know what I was going to be talking about this week. And he's not in our church. He's, he's an old friend. And he sent me an article about a study uh, from Colorado University Boulder. And the nature of the, the study was they've determined that our 
expectation of pain impacts our sense of pain. Here's what I mean. If you have to get a shot, flu shot or whatever kind of shot, you have to get a shot and you are expecting it to be painful. Like you are building it up in your mind. This is going to hurt. When you get the shot, your brain is going to tell you that it really hurts because you were expecting it to hurt, which they use the, the phrase um, positive feedback loop, which then causes you to think next time it's really going to hurt again, which your brain then sends more signals that it's hurting, which then. So there's this loop of expectation. They use the phrase self-fulfilling prophecy. I think that it's going to be this way. And so it turns out being that way. Here's a, here's a line from the article. The more pain you expect, the stronger your brain responds to the pain. The stronger your brain responds to the pain, the more you expect. Now, I'm not saying we can think whatever we want and it's going to happen. I'm not saying that. I, 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 am, I am saying that for the most part, the amount of joy that you look for this Christmas is probably going to be the amount of joy that you experience this Christmas. The amount of hope that you look, that you put your heart on, you put your mind on, that's probably going to be the amount of hope you're going to experience. The degree to which you are determined that all the little things are not going to crowd out the big, glorious, beautiful story of my Creator putting His love on me through His Son, Jesus, that's probably the amount you're going to experience. I know, I know we're all, as I said, dealing with things, small things or big things or medium-sized things. You remember the end of the Grinch story? He's stolen all of their stuff. <clears throat> the trees, the, the lights, the presents, the roast beast. He's taken everything from them and he gets up on the next morning expecting to hear them sorrowful and mourning and and depressed and he's here singing and he realized that Christmas came anyway I, I can relate to the end of the story a little bit I promise I'm not making this up when I was a middle school student probably 12 or 13 uh, it was a couple days after Christmas. It was a Sunday, and, and my dad was a pastor. We had a lot of family in from out of town. They were passing through, and so they had gone to church with us, and probably 20 people were coming back to our house to eat. When we got back to the house, somebody had broken into our house, and they had stolen most of the stuff we got for Christmas, like a lot of electronic little things, little sports games that I had and things that my sister had. And uh, so all of these people are in our house and, and we're trying to figure out what's missing. Call the police. They come out. They do a report. It takes forever. Finally, the police leave and my mom is going to get dinner ready. And she had put ham in the refrigerator, put a ham to feed all of these people. And she opens the refrigerator door and guess what they took? They took the ham. <laughs> they took the ham right out of our refrigerator. So dad went to Kentucky Fried Chicken and... and we had chicken with our, with our people that night. Like so, sometimes, 
Life stuff wants to steal Christmas from us, joy and hope. And the real reason of what God did for us, and the truth is it's up to us if we let them. It's up to us where our heart is over the next 23 days. I've mentioned before, one of my earliest memories of Christmas is getting up as a little kid and coming into the living room and seeing my dad with a strand of lights, four or five strands of lights out on the floor and he's down on his knees and he's going through the bulbs, the bulbs, right, that you screw in and out, not you click into some little socket. You screw this thing out. And he's got a box of new bulbs and he's going one by one to make sure they're all working and replacing all the the ones that are burned out. And they're colored. They're they're red and green and blue and yellow, the the way God intended Christmas lights to be, right? And and then you get married and your wife will only let you use white lights. And so that's that's just look at that. How nice. We've dealt with it in counseling. Um, so my dad, he's, he's checking every one. He's checking every one. And, and I thought, that might be a good thing to do on December 2nd. Might be a good thing f- for each of us just to look inside. To, to look inside of who we are. And, and find the bulbs that are dim. Before we get started with Christmas. Where do you know, God, I I need this to shine again. God, I I need you in this area of my life. God, I'm not going to let this bulb ruin all of my Christmas. I'm going to seek you for joy. I'm going to seek you for hope. I'm going to be reminded that however this Christmas is, you have redeemed me. You've forgiven me through your son. Like if I put my faith in Jesus, I have eternal life. How can I not celebrate this season with joy if that's really true? Because Christmas, your Christmas is in your hands. God, thank you so much for sending your son into this world. Thank you there was a moment in time where deity stepped into humanity, where God became flesh in the form of a baby, ten fingers and ten toes. That baby grew up and we still read his words today. We memorize the things that that baby said when he became an adult. We take comfort in the fact that he loved like nobody's ever loved before. He healed and he blessed and he ministered to. And then he laid down his life, not because he had to, not because somebody forced him to. He laid down his life because he loved us and he wanted us to have access to forgiveness. So he paid for our sins. So that if we put our trust in Him, we would not just have one day to celebrate. We'd celebrate every day. That our lives have been made new in Christ. 
And I pray it in his name. Amen.